Welcome back to the Freightways Intermodal Summit. I'm Director of Passport Research, JP Hampstead, and I'm here with Elise Gosh, the Assistant Vice President of Intermodal Sales at Union Pacific. Hey, Elise. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Um, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Um, it's We have a lot to talk about, it's, and it's, it's going to, I think it's going to be um, a great conversation. Um, right now, year-to-date, Union Pacific's intermodal volumes are up about 14% compared to 2020. Um, you know, it, it's been a very difficult operating environment for a number of reasons. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys have been able to succeed and, and how customer needs have changed over the past year and a half? Oh, absolutely. Great question to get started with. You know, when you think about transportation um, selections, our customers are always oscillating between capacity, service, price. Right now, uh, capacity is king, right? Um, and capacity could look a lot of different ways from our various customer segments. From the international side, it's, you know, we, we want to make sure that they're as efficient as they can with that box um, and they get another sailing on it. So what does that look like? The, the trend of transloading in the basin is a, is a greater trend that we're seeing and a higher need that they have this year. Um, the other thing, chassis. Chassis is the ultimate constraint of 2021. So you see that play out in our international and our domestic space. And so making sure that we educate that we're all in this together and that we get capacity by velocity this year. And as fast as we can turn that asset, we're all beneficial. Uh, we're more beneficial there. Um, the other trend, uh, you know, everybody knows it. We're, we're probably all personally contributing to it. The e-commerce trend has definitely escalated as we've all been in our houses um, buying things instead of experiencing things. So the trend there for a customer need is, you know, greater visibility to what's going on and where is that shipment at. And then, you know, faster fulfillment. And so those trends are continuing, which is why we're investing in our Railbox fleet on GPS. Um, so that's how we're reacting to those, those higher needs. And then finally, um, I know this is probably cheesy, but I find it to be true, um, proactive um, communication and insights. And, and what I mean by that is not a day goes by that I don't have customer calls. And we don't start with, you know, shipping trends. We actually start with, how's your team doing? How are you guys keeping motivated? How are you keeping engaged? Because um, if you think about living through this pandemic, the transportation community hasn't had a day off. We've been here day in, day out, um, all day long. And, and being able to share each other's insights on how we're all kind of staying state, safe, healthy, motivated, engaged is, is kind of been healthy for the organizations that we deal with today. But outside of, outside of that, like getting the work done, um, Planning horizons have changed. So the needs of customers were in the past, maybe they'd set a peak plan, um, you know, once a year and they let that plan play out for the entire 12 months. Planning horizons now look like a day, a week, a month. And so it's imperative that our sales team and our um, team at Union Pacific arms our customers with the most up-to-date information we can. So our customers can plan the decision that they need to make that day you know, this week, this month. So that's one thing that we've shifted is just being as proactive as we can with communication and providing insights to our uh, supply chain partners so we can all move more freight uh, through this this difficult year. That's super helpful. I, I want to pick up on something you said about um, the customer needs and, and you know, faster, uh, a need for faster fulfillment, right? Um, 
it, it seems like you know this e-commerce boom and people um, needing to accelerate inventory replenishment, needing to accelerate you know fulfillment to, to consumers and stuff, is taking place at the same time that we have all of these delays um, on the ocean, at, um, you know whether it's at Asian ports, whether it's just not enough capacity with the steamship lines, whether it's um, congestion at, at ports you know on the west coast of the United States. Um, it seems like you know people want their stuff faster. Uh, shippers need to accelerate inventory replenishment. It's really hard to get that done. How how is Union Pacific getting creative to speed that process and and sort of move that freight faster into the middle of the country? Yeah, I mean you hit on it. The end to end supply chain is definitely stressed right now, and you know the conveyor belt that we are in. Um, you know, sometimes it's the the warehouse labor isn't there or the capacity isn't there or the chassis isn't there or our fluidity isn't there. The rail care, you know, the ocean care, we all put uh, we all play into this. So the first thing um, Union Pacific really did is we had an international carrier farm specifically focusing on international customers. You know, we saw the trends that we were seeing. We brought everybody together and said, hey, from our purview, here's some of the challenges we think the next three to six months are going to look like. And we want to percolate some ideas to get your feedback on, would this be helpful? We also wanted to see what they were seeing, right? What's their crystal ball show? Um, so some outcomes of that, I mean, obviously, probably not too creative, but necessary in you know, inserting locomotives, inserting well cars into the LA basin so we could move more freight that was already there. Um, and, and to size that, that you know, gave about 150 to 200 incremental car loads a day out of the LA basin that we were shoving in. Um, but then, uh, as you mentioned, in the inland terminals, the, the elongated street time is, is definitely a force to be reckoned with. And the processing power and speed wasn't there for all that freight. It still isn't. We're working through that. Um, so then what do you do? You look at the geography that we have. Union Pacific has a proud history of a, of a, of a vast franchise. And we're using that right now by opening um, a previously shut down facilities and Global 3 in Rochelle, Illinois, as an example. Um, Inglewood and Houston. Um, so we're being creative and, and nimble and agile uh, and opening facilities and using our geographic footprint for the benefit of all our customers. Uh, you know, some other things that we um, are doing from a creativity perspective is we're leveraging our subsidiary loop. And um, people might not know it, but um, when an international box comes into Union Pacific's hands, um, we don't always know who the beneficial cargo owner is. Um, it's not on the way bill, so we don't have that visibility. Uh, so we've really worked hand in hand with the ocean carriers in the last, call it two, three months to say, hey, give us that list. We know you're talking to them, um, but we'll talk together and lockstep with you. So when, when we have a box that's sitting on a chassis at the port for seven days, let's call them together, right? Let's put some task force together and, and help you with that. So we've inserted Loop, our subsidiary, into that work, and they've been helping. And then that way, if we find out, oh, if it's drage capacity that's the constraint, uh, Loop can help, right? They have drainage capacity of their own. So we're, we are using all hands on deck to help us all be more efficient. Because like I said, you know, capacity is king. And right now, velocity is how we're going to get more capacity. So just a handful of things that we've done creatively with the, the ocean carriers this year. That's really cool. And I, I really appreciate what you're saying about using the 3PL Loop to kind of uh, bridge data gaps and, and sort of between you know, shipment information, order, you know, original order information, um, 
with the Steamship Alliance. So that's that's really cool. Um, so I know that you said that uh, planning horizons have sort of you know shrunk to nothingness, but I'm still going to ask you to you know, get out your crystal ball and and look at and and think about the tea leaves or read the tea leaves for Q4 retail season. Um, you talk to a lot of customers. What are, what are they anticipating? Um, you know, w- one of the things that we've been kind of pondering at, at Freight Waves, right, is like, you know, will, like given low inventories, will like, for example, Black Friday promotions be as aggressive as they have in years past? Like, what is it that retailers are going to try to do? Is it a margin play? Is it a volume play? How are they gonna How are they gonna sell in Q four? Uh, what can you tell us, Elise? Sure. Uh, crystal ball. If you happen to find one of those, send it on over. We'd love to have that. Um, but in the absence of that, you're right. We talk to our customers all the time. And again, that's internationally and domestically. What we're hearing, um, this strength that we're feeling right now is going to continue. Um, you know, if you said, oh, what's peak going to look like? I think most people would say we've been in peak since last July. And we might be on this kind of plateaued peak really until early second quarter of 2022. You know, our ocean carriers have strong bookings all the way through there. The inventory restocking, you see it on the shelves when you walk through the big box stores. There's some areas that are just that are just blank and, and we need that. Um, you know, and the other thing you hit on is, you know, it was a Black Friday there. I think there is going to be a trend of order early. I think it's human nature based on what we lived last year and, and earlier this year. So, you know, peak peak will start to be flatter and elongated and more plateaued is what I'm hearing and seeing from our customers that we work with on a daily basis. But but the strength is there. USF is, is going to make sure that we're resourced and that our network velocity is is there for the strong demand. Got it. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's super helpful. It's not, it seems like we're not in an environment so much where there's like, you know, really obvious peaks and troughs, but that you know, capacity across the supply chain is just sort of maxed out, right? And it's like, there's no, it, it, you know, it can't necessarily uh, go higher without things breaking and it doesn't look like it's going to go lower based, based on the demand signals that we see. Um, another another trend and, you know, something that Union Pacific's doing that, that you alluded to earlier, at least, was, you know, sort of reopening some facilities trying to create more um, you know, places to whether it's take freight into your network or get freight you know to your customers um, and I wanted to, I wanted to touch on that because about two years ago in 2019 it was a very different freight environment um, from today Union Pacific was you know looking at maximizing velocity and uh, you know, service reliability by reducing touch points in its intermodal network, right? So the theory was, if we if we can reduce the number of nodes, reduce the number of places where you know trains have to be rebuilt or or boxes have to be have to be handled, then there's less of a chance of a delay, and and we can get better and better on time rates across the network. And one of the things that Union Pacific did was reduce the intermodal facilities in Chicago from six to three. Um, and it, it it was a a great play at the time. Right. And so the question is, is that sort of consolidation and network simplification still the strategy or are you guys, you know, 
you, you mentioned opening a few more terminals. Is that a broader kind of initiative? Tell me what what sort of what what the investments in the intermodal network look like today. Sure. Well, I mean, very simply put, uh, Union Pacific is investing in our intermodal infrastructure. That's facilities, equipment, people. Um, you saw that with our recent announcements with uh, opening a Minneapolis ramp in uh, first quarter. And then again, in uh, Southern California, uh, what we call Inland Empire Terminal, or also in West Colton, California. So those are just two commitments where we're, we're expanding growth um, and our commitment to the intermodal product. But outside of you, kind of what you said earlier of, hey, Chicago, you're using a, a G1, a G3 that weren't there before. We're committed to making sure that we, we use the, the safest, most reliable way to move our customers' freight. And in 2019, um, you know, it looked like that. Right now, we're temporarily using those. Um, if we get the, the chassis street time back into historical norms, um, we feel like they're still beneficial to, to reduce those touch points. So I think it's they're both true, right? We're going to continue to invest, but we're also going to continue to maximize efficiency and be um, uh, as, as uh, efficient as we can with moving our customers' freight. So... Um, you know, the other thing I, I like to remember or remind people, especially as you think about the, the transportation bill and the infrastructure bill that's out in Washington right now. And, you know, Union Pacific is proud of the fact for the last two decades, we've spent 66 billion with a B uh, dollars in our infrastructure. Right. We have to do that um, ourselves. And just this year alone, uh, 2.9 billion. And a lot of that is on intermodal. And so uh, you see that in you know, chassis purchases and GPS investments and things that we're doing around the driver experience. So, um, you know, I, I went on, I'm, I'm going on too long. Union Pacific is, is investing in infrastructure, equipment, and people. Let's talk about that driver experience. Um, the drivers are, you know, in, in, some, in many ways, the, the linchpin of, um, of, you know, transportation in the U.S. They, they can, you know, if there's too many, transportation costs are low. If there's, if there's too few, Things get expensive very quickly and capacity is hard to find. How do you, you know, what is it that drivers want out of, you know, a drayage experience or an intermodal experience? Um, and how is Union Pacific uh, committing to deliver that superior driver experience? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. I mean, we're excited. Um, we've launched an effort in our, um, our group right now focusing on the driver experience and, We've done a survey with uh, 3,000 of the drivers that come in and out of Union Pacific ramps um, every day to kind of get you know what's most important to them. You'd be surprised. A lot of times, it's as simple as I need a clean working bathroom. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's basic stuff. Um, for others, um, you know, it's just how fast can I get in and out of your ramp safely so I can get another turn on that day so they can make more money, right? And and we want efficiency too. Union Pacific is on record everywhere being efficiency. So if we can help the driver be efficient, it helps them and it helps us. So it just is a, it's a no brainer for us to spend time and effort on here. Um, so, you know, again, driver experience, what does that mean at, it, at its at its biggest, it's investing in some gate technology that allows a rolling gate and a driver, you know, you just walk right through or drive right through and you cut out time there. Um, it's also doing time studies on how long it takes drivers when they have to go to a, a mechanical roadability line or a flip line. Um, we have people out there with stopwatches actually right now tracking how long does it take, doing a value stream map on it on where the where the wastes full times, how do we fix those, how do we tweak those, what 
countermeasures do we need to put in place to correct that, um, to drive that. And then, and then even as simple as like signage, again, when we have high driver turnover, or if we bring in new customers into our, our ramps, um, you know, G2, our Global 2 facility in Chicago, has gone um, a lot of capital investments. Like we said, we're investing and growing and expanding our, our footprint. Well, the signage needs to keep up. If we tell a driver uh, a box is in lot G, they need to know through visual management when they enter that ramp where lot G is. On the UPGO app that they pull on and, and can create their mission for the day, they need to clearly have that outlined. Um, just like you and I are in the car wanting to know where we're going to be efficient, right? So it's it's as as big as AGS and automated gate technology and as small as making sure that somebody has a, a up-to-date map. And we're doing all of it right now from a driver experience perspective. We're really excited about the improvements that that will have for the drivers that come in and out of our ramps every day. That's really cool. I love that, that holistic approach just about, you know, you know, time management, getting rid of that waste, providing drivers with all the information that they need to, you know, use their day most efficiently and, and, and giving them the amenities, right? That, that, they, right. that any sort of person who's on the job needs at, at, at their workplace. Um, well, thank you so much, Elise. Um, I really appreciate the conversation and would love to uh, check in with you in a few months um, yeah. and see, uh, you know, what, what things are looking like uh, on the West Coast and, and in the middle of the country. Well, thanks for your time. As you can see here, uh, Intermodal is definitely a growth engine for Union Pacific, and we're really excited about the future. So thanks for having us.